Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 331. Today's guest is author, essayist, and sex-positive content creator, Gabrielle Alexa Noel. And we'll be talking about her book, How to Live with the Internet and Not Let It Run Your Life. This is an especially timely and insightful conversation. It was timely for me, hopefully timely for you. I think so, because there's so much, we've been on the internet so much lately. Um, this is a really great conversation. Lots of like good um, thoughts about how to approach being active on the internet, which is something I really love. I love social media. I love all that stuff. So you're going to love this conversation. There's a lot of love happening today. I am your host, by the way, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 16 years today. Today's the 16-year anniversary of this podcast. What? If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or you can email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. So yeah, this is the 15 year, no, sorry, 16 year anniversary of this podcast. What? That's really wild. Um, I, the very first one I did was when I still lived in Houston, I was with my friend Brandon, uh, who was my roommate at the time. And we did a sound sing tour. Does anyone remember those? That used to be a thing. Anyway, be that as it may, thank you for listening. I know there are some people out there who've been listening since the very beginning. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And um, if you just started listening, if this is your first episode, thank you for listening today. Uh, one thing I want to check in on, does the sound sound any different to you today? I've started like acoustically treating my studio that I use to create this podcast and music and videos and all the stuff I do. And um, it feels better. There was a ring before that used to drive me crazy, and I think it's gone. So <laughs> yay for that as well. Uh, I think that may just be nerd-level, meta, non-whatever. Uh, but if it sounds better to you, that makes me glad. Uh, so that's it. So let's get into this interview, but not without first thanking my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, bonus podcasts. There are over 70 of them now that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe. So uh, if you want a deeper connection with all that is Michael Heron in this podcast and the guests on the podcast, you should go by patreon.com slash Michael Heron. And I have quite a few interviews uh, recorded ready to start publishing. So I know it's been a couple weeks, maybe three weeks since I did a podcast, um, but I've got them rolling. I have maybe four podcasts ready to go. So be ready for that. And let's get on with it. Here is my guest, Gabrielle Alexa Noel. Joining me now on the podcast is Gabrielle Alexa Noel, who is the author of the book, How to Live with the Internet and Not Let It Run Your Life. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so great to talk to you. This is a really timely topic for me, as I mentioned to you before we started recording. Um, but I'm curious about the book. I'm, I'm assuming it's something that your own personal experience sort of inspired you to write. Is that accurate? 
I guess I read a lot of books about the internet growing up, especially because I was an aspiring software developer from very young, but I never found a book that didn't feel patronizing. That wasn't like talking down to someone by saying, just stay away from the internet or just limit your time on the internet. I needed like limit your time. And because there are people who work online, a huge portion of my job requires me to be online. So I need more practical tips for dealing with the fact that the internet is so integrated in our everyday lives. Yeah, and especially as we're in, I'm trying to resist resist the urge to say the end of the pandemic because who knows where we're at and there's a lot of people on the planet who are having an entirely different experience than that. Um, But we're like in some ways reintegrating into the world, but also like figuring out how to like do this whole online all the time type thing. So your book, I mean, as, as like an older person, it's really helpful for me because I've always been on the internet and as it, you know, like I, I did online like live journal when it came out. So I've always been like dabbling. Yeah. Back in the I, day. I live journal too, because I remember like it was its own whole thing and we don't really, I mean, we have community like that online, but I don't know if we have a community that feels the way live journal used to feel. This is a great perspective to kind of talk about. Like when, when I learned about live journal, I was like, great. I'm just going to like spill all my tea. Like, People weren't doing that yet. I have friends from the live journal era that I still have now. Like we've been friends for over 10 years. And I'm like, oh my God, they know what my thoughts were when I was like 11. My like most deep, personal, embarrassing thoughts. <laughs> but you know, like I feel like the good news with that is when I see people doing things like on Facebook with a huge audience that I did and in <laughs> on live journal when like no one was really around i'm like oh thank god i got that out of my system <laughs> when I, like a long time ago but you know like there's always these ways that we need to learn how to to be healthy with these relationships we develop online so like what are some of the topics that you deal with in the book um i definitely talk about social media and i talk about dating apps i used to write a lot for tinder so i got a lot of information from that experience on what the dating app experience is and um there's a phenomenon called like the gamification of dating apps which is the way that people kind of use it for feeding their ego rather than actually making connections and i definitely wanted to explore that in the book but then of course i wanted to talk about like how queer people find community online so how like when queer people have more access to the internet they often see better outcomes because they're able to find support systems that they may not have in real life so I just wanted to go into like all the different pieces of the internet, the good, the bad, the silly, everything. Yeah. You, uh, ah, so much about this is good. And these are the things I love about the internet, like reflecting back to your your point in the beginning about we can't just tell people, well, don't just stay away. Because, you know, as when I was when I was coming up as a gay kid living in Texas, my only access to the gay community was bars. And like, I didn't really fit in with that community, you know, like, but, and I, and I really was very frustrated with this idea, like, okay, well, I can go to this bar where there are a lot of like people that look like each other and they're playing music. I don't really like, and, you know, like, and they're drinking, which I had stopped doing, you know, like, so it's really a beautiful thing to have these, these communities online for, so, you know, like for people, I just can imagine being, if I had access to seeing there were a whole variety of different queer people out there when I was younger, it would have been like, oh, so much better. Like I could have found a place to fit in. Yeah, I'm I'm almost a little jealous, I'll say, of the TikTok 
era. Like these kids are so lucky that they get to log in online and see so many like diverse perspectives on queerness. And meanwhile, like what did I, I just had live journal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would love to talk about TikTok a little bit because I, I don't really put anything. I don't post anything on TikTok yet, but I'm finding it of like a great place. Like, and it could be just that I've had really good luck with and like been very careful about who I connect with, but I'm learning a lot about social justice, about different race issues and hearing perspectives from people that seem really smart. Like, am I, am I getting a good read on TikTok? I mean, just like with any fragment of the internet, it's what you make of it. Cause I know like if you're only looking at videos that are like dance videos or something, then you're going to end up with a feed like that. Certainly like, my feed is exclusively like social justice issues to the degree that like, sometimes I'm like, oh, like maybe this is a little too much exposure to these issues because now I feel like I can't go on TikTok and just like chill. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's something to be said about how we have to like teach these algorithms how to feed us back, like, you know, intentionally engaging with content that like actually serves us versus um, just like mindlessly accepting whatever's shown. Yeah. Well, from your perspective um, and in your experience of, you know, putting this book together, what are some ways to like try to, or are there ways to try to like guide the algorithms (laughs) to do what we want them to do to like feed us what we want them to, or is, is there a way to do that? Um, There's definitely more intentional ways that you can navigate the internet. Um, Like instead of just looking at likes and comments as, like just uninterrogated things, uh, looking at them as currency and being like, is this a person that I want to pay in this type of currency? Like, do I want this platform to grow? Do I want to see more of this content? But I don't think that we necessarily think that deeply into every single thing that we engage with. And that's really hard to like have that level of intent every single time you're doing something. So I think to an extent, to a certain extent, we don't have as much control as we desire to. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of what my my why I'm having such a good experience with TikTok because I have gotten to a point with a lot of my social media interaction where I don't want it like because I'm sort of fresh, if you will, on TikTok. Just maybe within the last year, have I even been on it? Um, and I'm go there seeking out these particular types of things. That's what it's feeding me. Um, it's really interesting to think of that and to think of how easy it was for me to be like, oh, TikTok's great, everyone. Go there. They've got a lot of great like social justice issues and a lot of really smart people. Well, it's because <laughs> that's who I'm following. And using TikTok, like brands have become more intent on using it for marketing. Like in the past week or so, there's been some really good reporting on how like uh it's like up by like I think 10% that people are more willing to use TikTok influencers than like Instagram. So I also think of like now the more um, marketing hands are in the pot, like how much less organic content we're probably going to get in the upcoming year and how I guess disappointing that is because once you add that element, it's like it kind of loses its fun. In, In terms of social justice on social media, I've been finding that I'm spending a lot of time seeking out arguments with people, you know, like in this way of like, uh, procrastinating from doing something that is actually worthwhile. So I'll find like a post, like my most recent one is a post from the New York Times with a vegan recipe. And I'll go there looking through the comments for trolls and start arguing with them. Um, Is this a thing? And how do you stop? Oh, man, I had 
a couple years back, a pretty um, similar relationship to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using it for activism, you know, and like you can kind of search words that people are tweeting and then like respond. So I felt like people were intentionally searching like some common words that I was tweeting just to be argumentative. And then I thought that that was the Twitter experience was to like, you know, defend your perspective. I think now looking back, like I don't feel as much of a need to defend things that I say because like I think they're not um, interacting with me in good faith. But at the time, I like just could not not respond. And I would spend hours like I remember being at an event that like I'd been paid to talk at. And I was like arguing the whole time. And then they said, "Okay, we're going to take everyone's phones for 15 minutes to do like a a pre-show meditation. And I was like physically like, you can't take my phone. (laughs) I'm arguing with people on Twitter. And that sounds so crazy. That sounds so like completely unnecessary. But I was like, you know, you paid me to be here. I did not sign up for phone removal. I need to (laughs) I I need to talk to trolls right now. They're just like uh, it was like a wave of like 50 people that were like talking about one specific issue. And I also look back on like nights where like I stayed up really late arguing. Like I I compromised my own sleep schedule for perfect strangers. Um, so I think over time I just developed more of like a hard limit. I also try really hard and that's not that I always succeed, but I try really hard not to respond to comments. I was just on Red Table Talk, which that has like a huge reach. And I was like, don't look at the comments. Don't even look at the show. Like just (laughs) because it's just not going to put me in a place to like be my best. So why even bother? Like even if I win any of those arguments, any of those discussions, I don't win money. I don't win like favors, nothing. (laughs) Most of the people that are engaging in that way aren't looking to learn something new. They're looking to be right. And it's not, it's not, Gonna end. It's not gonna end until until we stop participating. Yeah, it's hard because it's also like there is a certain economy where people benefit from that. As a writer, for example, like when I've argued with Twitter trolls, I've had editors DM me on the side and be like, "Hey, would you like to write about this topic?" And a lot of the media industry at this point is kind of like combing social media, Twitter in particular, for like what everyone's talking about. So if me and someone else are arguing back to back. And someone sees that as like, wow, this is clearly like a contentious topic. We should cover it for our publication because people are talking about it. Like then to a degree, I make money off of and benefit from that arguing. But do I benefit mentally? Not really. Is there enough money (laughs) for the level of engagement that I'm putting into this? Probably no. Um, So like, yeah, I think over time, just experience taught me what is a valuable conversation and what isn't. And... I hope, again, this is, I'm not always good at this, but I hope that in the future I'll get better at it. Hmm. The, the thing that, that I'm trying to do, and I haven't even started writing this out, is like what my core beliefs are in my creative work, in my online persona, in my brand, like all of these different things. And then start asking myself, like, is engaging this with this person, is it part of my core beliefs to like have this argument with a troll right now? And if it's not, Maybe I could take the the feeling I'm having that, you know, this feeling that this person isn't understanding and decide, like, it sounds like something that kind of organically showed up for you, where it's like, oh, now you can write an article about this thing. And that is, to me, like an effective way to, like, share these, like, you know, my core values. Yeah. I mean, I also... 
um, for a, a little bit, I was writing a lot about like Me Too and sexual violence. And, you know, to a degree, there's like um, trolls can be really harmful in that, like when it's a triggering topic like that, it's not easy to just be like, oh, I'm just going to take a step back from this conversation. I remember when the Louis C.K. story dropped, I had tweeted something mentioning Louis C.K. Now I know that on Twitter you can like, you know, star out the names that people don't search it and then start arguing with you. But mm. even though like at the time, like it was like by his own admission, he did what he did. People who really like are, you know, see themselves in Louis C.K. were piling on comments that were like like mean to begin with, but then ended up being just like harmful and violent. And it was like, I couldn't even go on Twitter for two days. I would like to talk about that technique you just talked about of putting putting the stars in to replace names. Cause I've seen seen people do that. And I thought it was just one of those ways. And I did it with the last president where I would, you know, avoid saying his name because it made me feel triggered to like speak it. But now I didn't realize there was like a value in not putting the person's name. Um, Can you talk about that technique just to make sure people catch that? Yeah. So um, this is something I noticed when, again, I was talking about like Louis C.K. or um, there was like a, a... well-known rapper who was accused of sexual violence and there's like videos of him being pretty homophobic um and i noticed that every time i tweeted about those people i would get like a wave of people who found the tweet through that and i also think like behind the scenes something that i learned in like uh i took a course on the internet um that people will take tweets that they disagree with and like post it in their like discord server or like whatever private community that they have and be like, you know, go harass this person. So you want to make it like less easy for people to find you who are not, who don't have your best interests at heart. So I start out the name of like a celebrity, especially if it's like an abuser, <laughs> I start mm-hmm. out the names so that people who are in support of this person, despite their abuse are not going to find me. I, I want to talk about the flip side of what you just said about people posting something to their their Discord server or secretly getting their their internet gang to jump on somebody. I see this happening in the vegan community, which I'm a part of, um, and you know some other things too. But specifically there, where people will say, "Oh, th- look what this person said." Go comment on their post, and I I don't feel great about that. And maybe I shouldn't have said that because I'm curious about your feelings on 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 doing that for good, like doing that from from the good guy side, whatever you want to call that. I just don't think that it's a successful strategy. Uh, (laughs) I especially recently have been thinking about this in terms of COVID and in terms of like HIV AIDS in general, like public shame campaigns just like really don't work when it comes to public health. So in examining that recently, I've been also examining like if it doesn't work for that, why would it work for like public good and social justice like piling on someone whose beliefs are harmful like is not necessarily going to get us the change that we want and I think it's different when it's like letting a celebrity who's misusing their platform and doesn't realize no or if like you feel that you're in community with someone who's posting something but people are accountable to their community they're not necessarily accountable to random strangers and it's hard for people to parse out who is a good faith actor from who isn't So I don't know, like, I think if people organically find a post and want to comment on it, that's the nature of the internet. But like posting it in a private community and having everyone respond is not going to make that person be like, oh, wow, I never thought about 
your perspective. Like I'll completely change my worldview. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. And it puts people on the defensive and, and it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that because it could sound like I'm saying, well, we have to protect these racists, for example, from being put on the defensive. And it's not about that. And, and I absolutely welcome your feedback about this comment I'm about to make. It's more about being effective and also protecting ourselves from just having this war that's completely not going to go anywhere or be effective at all. Did, did that even make sense? What I just said there. Yeah. I mean, I am much more like ready to block people <laughs> online mm-hmm. if, they, if I feel that they're not like actually being kind or compassionate. And I also am like reexamining like consent when it comes to these platforms. Like even just because I have a platform does not mean I'm consenting to like, being a public property, a public good. So like my content is not necessarily answerable to like every single person who follows me. I'm in community with people. So I think I'm answerable to those, but I think that like they're consenting to following me and I'm consenting to just existing online. And if they vibe with my content, they vibe. And if they don't, the unfollow button is right there. And just re-examining that and like trying to get more comfortable with, with like realizing shame doesn't work. Um, I'm trying to just like shift my my relationship to like troll campaigns. I don't know that we're facing racism by like harassing people on Twitter. I wish, but no. Yeah, yeah. That's been an interesting shift for me lately. And it happened from my, like dealing with my mailing list. I like learned that you should get rid of people on your mailing list who aren't opening it. Like, and for the longest time I was like, wait, but then I will have so many fewer subscribers. Then I finally did it and I was like, oh my God, now I have so many fewer subscribers and I don't have to worry about... Like I got rid of the people that weren't interested or weren't vibing with my content. And now I know that I don't have to worry like, oh, am I sending too many emails? Is this too much this? Is this too much that? And it's great. Like if I say something that people don't like and they unsubscribe, it's actually a good thing because then I'm building a community and not just like collecting a number of followers or subscribers and that type of thing. Does that... I mean, it feels like a little related to what you were talking about, too. Yeah, I mean, it gives you better engagement on whatever content you're putting out. And it just feels better. Like I started my Instagram a really long time ago, and I've gone through a lot of phases in the content that I've put out. And now I almost feel like paralyzed by like, oh, well, this segment of my audience really likes this type of content. But then this segment of my audience really likes this content. And it's hard to take a step back and be like, okay, what content do I want to put out, though? Mm-hmm. What content do I feel is the most like on the pulse and relevant and like important to me? And when I post stuff that is like super niche and important to me, then my audience is like, but okay, but we came here for this different topic. And it's like it can feel sometimes at moments like a trap. And paralyzing in a way, too, right? Where... And I think that's, I feel like my questions to you today have been all over the place. And I'm realizing it's because I'm in this space where I'm like, I felt paralyzed by like, wait, uh, like trying too hard to be everything for everyone. So I wouldn't lose followers or I could build my, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and I'm in this space where I'm trying to redirect and like, no, wait, what do I want to, who do I want to be on the internet and who, what are my values? All these things that we talked about. Um, so yeah. So I, I appreciate your feedback and you're actually, okay, here's another like curveball. I'll grab that one too. So I appreciate your, uh, your following that stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's all to say. And well, maybe you, this is a question. It is the goal for you or, and perhaps a goal that you suggest to, to find 
your genuine voice and, and make that the thing that's the top priority? I just, I've been asking myself those same questions you've been asking about, like what, who do I want to be right now? What kind of content do I want to put out? When I first was making content for Instagram and I had like 10,000 followers, I felt so connected to like every, almost every single person who was following me. I felt like I had these, like this path of what I was going to put out and I had, you know, pretty high engagement. So I just felt like I knew and I was really enjoying the experience of creating content. And now that paralyzing feeling makes it so hard to even know what people are expecting from me. And it's like not as fun anymore. And then I, the more followers you get, the more like brand deals that people reach out with. And that also makes people lose like a connection to your brand. And so I try to like balance that with like, what do I actually want to do? And um, I'm trying to re-envision that every single day. Um, I'm always like, what if I was having fun with the internet, what would I do today? And trying to do that. But that's really hard because we care about what people think of us. Yeah. And fun can be like, you know, sharing a message. You know, it's not. Yeah. Ah. This has been such a great conversation. I'm so sad we have to wrap it up. What, where can people find you on the internet and get your book, all these different things? Sure. Well, I'm on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram at Gab Alexa. So that's G-A-B-A-L-E-X-A. And you can get my book, I mean, like wherever books are sold. I ordered it and I haven't gotten it yet. So I wasn't able to, you know, get it in time, but I can't wait to share it. And I'll be sure to share it on social media in a fun way that is fulfilling to me when I get my copy. Absolutely. Enjoy, enjoy. Uh, It's been so great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thanks for being along for the ride for these last 16 years, for as much of it as you have been a part of. I look forward to uh, continuing and uh, having you join me. Feel free to tell a friend about the show, write a review or whatever, or just don't and just listen next week. Uh, I'm really happy you're here and listening. Uh, Thanks again to my guest, Gabrielle Alexa Noel. Be sure to check out her book and all her social media. There's so much great stuff to discover there. And I will see you next week. Bye.